Good morning, good morning. So yesterday we addressed our question. The question was, how come gold is listed first among all different ingredients that were necessary for the Mishkan? And does anyone, anyone remember that was answer? Everybody wants, come on, slow down, guys. Why is it that gold was mentioned first? It wasn't the one number one thing needed in, in the Mishkan. It wasn't the number one thing that people owned. And yet Hashem mentions gold first. The hardest for people to give up? That was a uh, nice try. Uh, we did say that the, the, the purpose of mentioning gold first was to answer a question. What was the question? The question was, how is it possible that every single Jew, a Jewish man, a Jewish woman, a Jewish child, they're all going to do this incredible feat of causing the Shekhinah, causing Hashem's presence to rest in this world. How is that possible? Especially considering that the donations to the tabernacle were supposed to be done, lishmi, altruistically. So the Ramam says that not every wise man is able to reach the level of doing things altruistically, just with love, Doing the truth because it's true. So, so the question is, how is this possible that Hashem is asking every Jew to participate in <coughs> this incredible feat of bringing the Shekhinah here, especially with the caveat that it has to be done with the sake of, for the sake of Hashem? Because it's all about the Chiddush of the Nevis, which is connected to Hashem, and we're all on the same level at that level of the Yehida. So Hashem wants us to tap into that level to connect to Him. Yeah, um, that's right. Rebbe says that a Jew has to know that he is truly wealthy. Why are you wealthy? Because you are, your first possession, what you're connected to is gold. You are neshama. That's your real reality. Although externally, you have an animal soul. And that may be what's running through your head, heart and mind all the time, but that's not really who you are. The true existence of who you are, even in this world, is your neshama. That's who you are. You're, therefore, you're... You are a, a prince, you are the, the king himself, because you are a Jew. And a Jew, even though externally may be one thing, but the true reality of a Jew in this world is El Yoinim. When God created the world, he made a divide between the heavens and the earth, and he said the heavens cannot go down, down to earth, and the earth cannot go to heavens. There is a separation in the spiritual and the physical. Then Hashem annulled the decree and gave us the Torah. And when he annulled the decree, he changed the status, he changed the fabric of our very being, and therefore, a Jew, even while he's in this world, what is a Jew? A Jew is part of the El Yenim. He's part of the higher worlds. His Nisham is his real reality. It's hard for us to uh, perhaps uh, absorb this idea that our real reality is our Nisham. But it's something which is really very relevant, very down to earth. Um, you're not going to go to sleep at night and forget to have a Mayrev and have your body wake you up in the middle of the night and say, hey, you didn't have Mayrev. It's, it's not going to happen. But if you went to sleep last night, except for some Sadiq. All right. Some Sadiq can have that that way. So, but there are, there are um, people who forget to go, don't eat dinner. They go to sleep without dinner. And their body wakes up and says, you did not eat dinner. You need, you're hungry. Go eat dinner. Because the body is our conscious natural self. Yeah, it's true. Your body is your conscious natural self. In the words of the Altareb and Tanya, we had it in Chitas, chapter 29, the person himself is the animal soul. Okay, that's your conscious self. But at the same time, 
although that's your conscious, natural self, that's not at all your core, it's not how you identify. Even this is not only true for, um, for the Jewish people, but it's even true for all people. Um, our, the animal soul, the lower, more base things are more of our natural thoughts, but that's not necessarily our core. Let's say your parents, God forbid, forget it, their child in a, in a car in a hot day, and the child dies, or the child gets sick. So why do they forget? Basically, they forgot because they're bad people, they don't care about their children. No, that's not why. And the proof of that is, is that they'll be plagued the rest of their life for, their, for that decision, and they'll be constantly have hard, gut-wrenching uh, feelings and thoughts and regret their whole life. Never forget. Naturally, never forget. And yet, that day they did forget. Why they forget? Because their conscious mind is on, the conscious heart is on one thing. They have a bunch of stuff in their head, and and their core, their, what they really care about, is 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 in the background. And 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 they, therefore, they, they, it's possible that they, they they overlook their child. They don't. They forgot about their child, but not that they don't care about them. So in the same way, a Jew has neshama. Our true core is our neshama. That's our identity. The Ramam says, even when we say we, do, we want to go against God's will, it's not, a real, it's, not, it's not really us. And therefore, although halachically a, a get, a divorce, can only be issued if the husband wants to give the divorce, and he's screaming, and he says, I, says, I don't want to give the divorce. And the halacha says, he should give the divorce. And he's screaming, I don't want to do it. So the halacha is, the bezin beats him up until he says, okay, okay, I, I want to give the divorce. What's that? Does he really want to get a divorce? No. I don't want to give it. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Um, in this corner, weighing 300 pounds. And then, okay, I want to give a divorce. What's going on? Why is that kosher? Meaningless, it seems. Just superficial. No, Halacha says it's not superficial. On the contrary. When he says he doesn't want to give a divorce, that's superficial. That's not his core. When he says he does want to give a divorce, that's what Torah says he should do. That's his core. That's what a Jew is. So a Jew, although externally is part of the Tachtoinim, although a Jew externally is part of the earthier creatures, yet his true identity is El Yoinim, true identity is from the higher worlds. Why don't we apply that same thing to oh, oh, One second. And that's why a Jew has given the task of doing the same thing to this world. To make this world which externally is the lowest world, and to reveal and to bring into the world El Yoinim, to bring to the world Kedusha. That's what we're capable of doing. So that's what Hashem is is telling us by telling us that the, the first thing you should donate to the tabernacle is gold. We want to tell you is I want you to know why I hired you. I hired you because I consider you rich. I consider you someone who is connected to the most precious things in the world. I connect. I consider you a prince, and that's because you may look at yourself as a shemendrik, and I Hashem know better. And I tell you, you are you are gold. You belong. Gold belongs to you. Yerabzev. What do, you, other things in Torah. what do you mean? Like, we need this tzedakah right now. I don't. I just don't have it. I can't give it. All right. Well, we'll see if you have it or you don't have it. Come step into this room over here and beat the guy until he writes his check. <laughs> and then he's like, "Okay, I actually do want to write that check. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry." <laughs> um, That's what Pizza tells. <laughs> I'm gonna build me a stable. <laughs> you heard that 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 the reject songs. I'm gonna build me a stable. I need the biggest in Gans, New York. All right. Anyways, Nachmer, nice of them. Must even. Where did he get that? Oh, just 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 to address that question. There is a reason why this law is about divorce, not about other mitzvahs. There's actually one of the mitzvahs which this does apply to as well. 
the laws of, of someone um, pledges um, something to, to the tabernacle, uh, a sacrifice. Uh, the same halacha applies there as well. Why those specifically, to, those two halachas, we, we require his, what we, what, what, what's unique about those two halachas is, is the guy has to want to do it. That's why it's important for him to say, I want to do it. Because halacha, this isn't the Torah, it only works if he wants to do it. And therefore, we need him to verbally express, I want to. But the Torah puts a, a, qualifies those mitzvahs and says, he has to want to. So if a divorce was kosher without him wanting to, okay, so then just, just uh, he doesn't want to, the court gives the divorce. But the, but the divorce is only kosher with him wanting to. And uh, therefore, he has to say, I want to. Other halakhas, you don't, you don't, you don't have to uh, want to necessarily. So you may consciously think about dinner and have a part of your body which reminds you about dinner, but you don't identify as an eater. That's not who you are. You eat. That's in your conscious mind. Just like that, those parents don't identify as whatever they did that day. They went to the mall. They uh, they went to uh, to biz, do their job. Whatever they did, they're first and foremost parents before they are um, employees, employers, uh, uh, mall shoppers. Although that's in their conscious mind, that's not who they are. The same way a Jew may do all kinds of things, and maybe on our mind flowing, and therefore it makes us forget about who we are. But that's not that still doesn't define us. We're not eaters because we eat. We're parents. We're not. We're we're we're. We're first and foremost our who we our, identi- our identity. So although Alter says in Tanya that your reality is your animal soul, it's not your identity. Your your your, your consciousness is your animal soul. It's not your identity. It's not who you are. You are gold. Yeah, your consciousness is is Gashmis. God's request is to build the tabernacle. He wants to get it done. Now, I, I want to tell you why you're hired. What what, do you, what qualifications do you have to make this tabernacle? The answer is because you are gold. Because you have an neshama. That's your real, true I. That is your real identity. That's why you qualify as the one to make me this home. Elsewhere, Chassidus brings us home a little more. Chassidus says that because we were once in God's home in heaven, we know what the home looks like, therefore we can make the home. But I'm not sure if that's the direction we're going over here. Here, the Rebbe is just saying is a different point, I think. You know, he was saying is, I need the home built altruistically, for my sake completely. And it has to be done, and, and, I, and I want something really magical to happen, the Shekhinah to be drawn here. And therefore, you're the guy who can do it because you're a guy connected to the Shekhinah. You're the guy who has an altruistic part of you that although you may be thinking, I'm going to give this so that I have my name in lights, I'm going to give this because whatever selfish motive you may have, David just says, no, I know that's not you. That's not who you are. You are someone who is in love with me and you have a part of you that is, which, which, which is totally about me. No, you don't get it? No, it's there. It's just, as you say, it's not so that's what I'm not saying. It doesn't have to be conscious. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be conscious. But that's that. That's who. You, there is part of you that's crying and saying, "I like this. This is what I want. This is who I." It was just says, "I want you to know this is who you are." And that's why you're hired. You are the best man for the job because you have in your true reality. I mean, the emphasis is that it's very symmetrical. A Jew and the and the, and the goal are very symmetrical. Externally, the world is not a home for Hashem. The world is is, is a separate entity. The world is consumed of galaxies. 
And Hashem wants us to make that a home for Hashem. So what does he, who does he hire to do that? He hires a Jew who externally is an animal soul, a body. But really what makes a Jew tick is his neshama. That's who he really is. That's who his true identity is. So therefore a Jew is a perfect guy to make this, this thing. Yeah. Time. Not only that, the way he has a foot in Atsilus, the way he has a foot here is externally he is this world, internally he is Atsilus. So to the world, the world is supposed to be, oh, externally it's Gashmi, it's Jews supposed to bring out. No, it's not Gashmi, it's Alakus. He's the perfect guy for it. Achme. Neyser, then was the Agdam von Zabrang, the Reis, the Machshus von Dim Machlal, the Gabe Yuchanim in the Gufan Asim Shand Vesechem, from the Kerzu Uf Machlal Asim Shand Vesechem, Kubdurcha. We're in the third column uh, in Eizvav. In the addition to the fact that Hashem telling us to give gold first, uh, that in addition to that emphasizing how great a Jew is, is especially pertinent in regards to making this home for Hashem, because the, in, in order to, the power to make a home for Hashem in this world is only a Jew. Because a Jew is at the level of gold. A Jew is the level of the higher worlds. If we're just talking about the Mishkan and the way Jews should donate to the Mishkan, so then you're right, then silver and copper should have precedence. Because there's more of, the Jews have more of that. And those things are needed more in the Mishkan. So if we're just talking about the donations for the Mishkan, then you're right. And silver and copper should be mentioned first. But when we're talking about Jews, that they create this whole concept of a Mishkan, it's not just about donating the things for a Mishkan. It's about the whole idea, how can a Mishkan happen? How can the God rest here? Therefore Hashem tells you the first thing is about the goal. A Jew, even in this world, his first connection to anything is to gold. And therefore, he has a power to make the home for Hashem. Why can't he come for Hashem? Because what is his first reality? His first reality is, the, is, is gold. Again, first doesn't mean that's his conscious reality. First reality means his true identity. This is what makes him tick. That's what he's about. This is his very, very, his deepest self, the truest self. Don't show off that you know the English words. No, no one else does. Okay. <laughs> what, what are you trying to say? No, no, what? Well, I mean, the first thing we do is like we make ourselves holy. We put on a talit. We put on a talit in the morning. It's the first thing we do is we, we transcend this world. You know, transcend this world. We do. Right? You put on these angel wings, these these bird wings, these this this. Marker, whatever you know, you separate yourself from the mundane. Put on talus. Whatever you want. Yeah, talus. What are you putting talus in for? What, what is that? I mean, the truth is, that this is so us yeah. that we take it for granted that we don't we don't even realize um, how us yeah. this is. Yeah. You know, find shelter, and you should you should be satiated with the light of your house. It's the biggest thing we can do in the world. We, we, we whisper things before we eat, we whisper things after we eat. We gotta wake up in the morning, we whisper aliens. something. We're aliens. That's the MSA, we're aliens. Yeah, we do all the, all the, all the physical things, but, but who are we? We're gold. I don't know who are, what's your first reality? Your first reality is gold. What's about the first one? It's the first one. 
our soul, our precious is your kindness. Your 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 conscious self is your animal soul. But why is it saying that your first reality? In Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says that your Shama is your second reality. Doesn't he say that? He says first, in this chapter one, he says you have an animal soul, and in chapter two, he says you have a godly soul. And the reason why it's called the second the second soul is simply because. It comes into the, to the body a little later. It comes in a little bit at, at, at the bris, and it comes in slowly till by mitzvah or bas mitzvah. So the neshama is coming in little by little, and it doesn't fully get there till uh, by mitzvah. So it's called the second soul, and also it's our secondary reality. It's our it's our not our conscious reality. Yeah, that's all true, but bottom line is is that that's our identity. That's our true identity. It's our first identity. Again. We're eaters, we're drinkers, we're sleepers. That's, that, that, yeah, we do all those things, but what is our identity? What's our first identity? And the proof of that is, is that when it comes, to, you're challenged and, and you're, you're asked to give up your life or accept different religion, without a thought, I'm going to die. Why are you going to die? Aren't you the eater? No, that's not your reality. That's not who you are. We mumble in the morning, we mumble in the afternoon, we mumble at night. We're mumblers. Mumblers. <laughs> this is the reality of a Jew. A Jew is a re- a Jew is a wealthy person. A Jew is a rich person. A Jew is a child of Hashem. Eshlemar. The reason why the Jewish people had at that time so much gold and silver. Because spiritually, they have a spiritual wealth, that's how they became physically wealthy as well. Their physical reality then mirrored their spiritual reality. The reason why the, all the Jewish people leaving Egypt had 90 camels with all this silver and gold is because their spiritual reality is gold, therefore their physical reality was gold as well. Therefore physically as well, they also had lots of gold. Uh, page 386, the uh, last paragraph in the first call. Now we can understand when the Torah talks about the actual donation. This Torah portion talks about the commandment to donate. Yakel talks about how the Jewish people actually did it. So the Torah makes a distinction and separates the donation of gold and the donation of silver and copper into two different verses. Why two different verses? If we're talking about, about donations in Mishkan, say they did gold, silver, and copper. Why does it put gold in a separate verse? And, and, and the Torah does. It says in the one Pasuk, First it says, the men and the women came and, they, and everyone who had a generous heart brought all different kinds of gold. And then it says, And then later on, two psukim later, after the Torah talks about the donations of the uh, wools and the fabric, the Torah says, And all those who donated silver and copper gave silver and copper. The Ramban, is, the Ramban says, the Ramban says it mentions the women in the first pasuk about the gold because women don't have silver and copper. All they had was gold in their jewelry. I guess it wasn't customary to have silver and copper in jewelry in those days. Valzov. So, so the so the women may like the gold, but they only had gold as jewelry because even though they may have had husbands didn't necessarily subscribe to their preferences. 
but uh, that was just the thing. Anyways, so 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 since the Torah says in the, in the first pasuk when it talks about the women as well that they donated to, it mentions their gold only because women didn't have silver and copper. Women had gold and jewelry, and they gave away their jewelry to the Mishkan. Gold is a different kind of quality than silver and copper. And it's different than all the other kinds of donations. Gold expresses the perfection of every Jew. Men and women. And that's why both men and women had gold. Why they both have gold? The reason why they both had gold is because this is something that is a, a natural to a Jew. A Jew has gold. A Jew, a Jew is connected to gold. And therefore all Jews had gold. So it mentions gold in a different posture because gold is a different kind of thing. And not, I mean, the simple reason why he mentions gold separately because he wants to talk about the women, and the women have gold too. But spiritually, the idea of a Jew owning gold means that a Jew has perfection. And who has perfection? Who has an neshama? Both men and women. And that's why physically also, men and women had gold. It wasn't only because that was the, uh, the uh, preference of women in jewelry, and that's what people use for jewelry. No, the reason why people, all people had gold is because all Jews are, are having a shamus, and therefore all Jews, their physical uh, um, possessions mirror their, their spiritual reality. And this is going to help us understand our question we asked about Parsha's Truma. How come Parsha's Truma is always a Parsha that's read in the beginning of the month of Adar? Now can we the connection between the month of Adar and Pasha Truma. But first, let's practice something. If the Gemara says the Jewish people have a healthy mazel in the month of Adar, as we mentioned, if you have a court case with an Anjou, try to make the court case in the month of Adar. We have a healthy mazel. Um, question is asked, doesn't the Talmud say Jewish people do not have any mazel. Jewish people are beyond this, the constellations, beyond the, the zodiacs. So why does the Gemara say we have a healthy mazel in the month of Adar when we're beyond the zodiac, we're beyond the mazel? Maybe we can answer this based upon what Rashi says about this, this passage. How does Rashi interpret the word the Jewish people do not have mazel? Says Rashi. Rashi says through prayer and merit, a Jew can change his mazel for good. As mazel, the Jews have a mazel. Jews have, are affected by mazel. They have a mazel. But through a more powerful force, through prayer, through merit, they can change their mazel for good. Like in the story of Rabbi Kiva's daughter, that the astrologer said that she's going to die on her wedding night, and she miraculously survived her wedding night, the famous story that she went to sleep and she put her hairpin in the wall, and thereby killed a snake that could have killed her. So Rabbi Kiva asked his daughter, my daughter, what did you do? And she said how she gave tzedakah, she gave away her portion of food at the wedding, for a poor man. So Rebekiva said, Jewish people do not have mazel, and they're, and Tzedakah saves from death. In that analogy, though, you see that, they, that there was mazel, just her merit was stronger than the mazel. So maybe you could say the same thing about... Um, huh? 
Jews can't pray to have things changed? Well, I'll cut the in a second. But let's first address our question. So maybe we say the same thing with Jewish people. They don't, when it says they don't have mazel, what that means is they're able to change the mazel. Thus is Abarikin Bir It's not a good answer for the month of Adar because our body mazel is a pashtun. The meaning of healthy mazel doesn't mean you're able to change your mazel. We say you have a healthy mazel in the month of Adar. It doesn't mean you're able to change your mazel through prayer, you're able to change your mazel through merit. Nor as the mazel is by rather, when you say you have a healthy mazel, month of other means I did not pray, I do not have merit, and I still have good mazel. So it's not because, ordinarily, we say Jews don't have a mazel, what that means is they're able to change their destiny through their deeds and through their merit. The month of other, you see, the Torah says you have a good mazel without anything, just because it's a month of other. So the question is, how does that fit with the, what the Gemara says elsewhere? We don't have any mazel. Do we have a good mazel month of Adar? Or do we not have any mazel ever? Usually the, the, the meaning of the word we don't have mazel means we can change it. Okay. But in the month of Adar, the Gemara says specifically you have a good mazel. What does that mean? You didn't do any mer- mitzvahs. You don't have any merits. So why do you have a good mazel? What does that mean? Shem the Kasha? That story is that you guys talk about the 99% uh, Good fortune and one percent brains. All right. You change the other one percent for mazel. For more mazel. <laughs> the answer, in short, that I was going to say is that ordinarily a Jew is able to change his mazel for good. That's true. Through davening, through merit, you can change your mazel for good. But as we just said till now, what's the true essence of a Jew? The true essence of a Jew is gold. The true essence of a Jew is beyond the entire spiritual cosmos, and. Although a Jew is in the world where he has a body and he looks like everybody else, yet what is his essence? His essence is above everything. He's in Hashem. And therefore he's able to change his destiny through prayer and merit. But in the month of Adar is even more. Even though you don't have merit, even though you didn't do mitzvahs, still, and you're just one individual Jew, still you, in the month of Adar, without you doing anything, it's revealed. Your Jewishness is, in, is revealed in a way that although you're in a court case with a non-Jew and you're, both, and, you're, and you're contending with nature, it seems still Hashem lifts you up above the realms of nature and the realms of merit and says, you're my child, and therefore we're going to do things my way, the way, the, the way, the way that you deserve as, as my child. Without your Hashem reveals the, the, the value of a Jew in the month of Adar.